It is the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. Uh, John Machota joining us right now uh, from the Athletic, and uh, John, this is uh, this is this is how it should be. This is how an Eagles week in Dallas or Cowboys week in Philly. This is kind of what it used to feel like, uh, and the, the build up to this thing. I mean, John, it, it's. Isn't it, isn't it fun? Because it's been such a dominant. It's not like the Cowboys have been that great over the last few years, but they have dominated this division. So to have a divisional opponent ha- start to have kind of a breakout season, uh, haven't you missed this? Yeah, I'm so excited for this game, especially because it's in Philadelphia. It's at night. Uh, I've seen their fans uh, at their absolute best. Um, at games that at the end of the season where they didn't even matter. I mean, it was just games where either the Cowboys were already in the playoffs, so they weren't playing all their starters, or the Eagles were already in, or their season was over, so they weren't playing all their starters. And this is finally one of these matchups that it really matters, and it's worthy of a Sunday night game. And, and I just uh, I can't wait to see what that crowd's like because uh, it's usually pretty fired up for just any Cowboys-Eagles game. And, and, I, and I'm the type of person that I don't buy into the whole – Oh, these rivalries with because they're in the NFC East. There's no rivalry right now with Washington or New York. There just isn't because they're not competitive enough. But it's been Cowboys Eagles. That's been the rivalry in the NFC East as far as I'm concerned for the last decade. And uh, this one means as much, if not more, than any of those in the past. And so this will be. Uh, um, I guess it probably doesn't mean more than the one uh, at the end of 2019, where the Cowboys really needed that one to win uh, to get into the playoffs. But for this early in the season, this is a huge game. So yeah, it, this is this is great. I mean, this is it's much more fun to cover these games uh, than it is to uh, cover boring ones that no one really cares about. I would say so, and I, I'm just wondering where you, where you're sensing this is going with Dak Prescott. We'll find out more information maybe tomorrow. See what he's able to do. I think Dak, after that last game, was was indicating that hey, there there are sort of uh, meaningful changes happening in a positive way almost on a daily basis with in his recovery. If you had to guess sitting here on Tuesday, if Dak were able to go or not, do you, do you still kind of sense that this is probably going to be a Cooper Rush game uh, for the Cowboys? And, and, oh, by the way, the luxury of having done so well with Cooper Rush that maybe they don't feel like they have to rush Dak like they may have have if if this team was sitting there two and three or something like that. Yeah, I don't get the sense that Dak's going to play in this game. Uh, you know, you you hear Jerry talking on the radio this morning. He talks about Dak needs to spin it uh, for him to be able to play in the game. And when he says that, meaning the deeper throws that you're going to need to win a game like this, and for him not to do really anything throwing the ball wise last year. I mean, last week in practice, all of a sudden now. He's going to be ready with three days of, of work where Mike McCarthy has said that he wants Dak to go through a full week of practice before he has him playing a game. It just doesn't seem realistic. And, and I think that um, I think Jerry would be even more forthcoming if he thought that there was a good chance that Dak was going to play. But in his own way, he's going to kind of talk around it. But I don't even think he believes that Dak's going to play in this game. I think he needs another week to, to fully get back up to, to speed. And, and to be honest with you, I think that it just sets up perfectly because if you win this game with Cooper Rush, great, and, and, and you obviously will take that, and, and you're feeling great. 
Uh, and then you bring back Dak next week, a Detroit defense that isn't very good, and, and, and that is a, is a perfect situation. And then you just roll into the rest of the season that way. Um, rushing him back to playing this game, it just that doesn't make a ton of sense. And 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 let's be honest, even whatever he does in practice, how, how do you know he's not going to be rusty in that game? So um, I, I don't get the sense at all just from the way how little he did in practice last week. Uh, told me all I needed to know about this week. I just you don't go from what he did last week to all of a sudden this week. You're like, yeah, no, he's ready to go. Three, yeah, three practices, we're ready to go. Yeah, play biggest game of the season. Yeah, at Eagles, perfect. He's ready. I just I don't see that happening. I don't think it's realistic that he would play in this game. Now, what about Micah Parsons with that groin injury? People are always making fun of how I say that. I think groin's the right way. They say I used to. You know, Galloway used to say groan. I don't say that. <laughs> But <laughs> Galloway said it in a funny way. But now Parsons, uh, I mean, he gutted that thing out the other night. It's hard to know. There's certain things you can take shots for or to help you before a game. Those soft tissue things are very sensitive. There's, Jerry seemed to think that he'll be okay and be able to practice this week. How do you kind of see that developing throughout the week? Do you think they'll manage him and, and, and maybe try to practice him later in the week? How do you, how do you see that uh, uh, unfolding? Yeah, I think he'll be very limited during the week, and they don't really need him to do anything during the week as long as he's ready to play uh, Sunday night, and I think he will be. I, I just think the impact will be he probably won't play as many snaps as he, as he normally would, and I think Dan Quinn will pick and choose his spots much like he did in that second half of that Rams game. And you could argue after the groin injury, Micah played some of his best football. I mean, he had both of his sacks in the second half. Uh, uh, he looked, he did not look like he was injured if, if you just watched when the ball was snapped. Now, after you could obviously tell he was limping and, uh, you know, he was favoring it a little bit in the locker room after the game. So uh, it's, it's not going to be 100%. And there has to be concern of potentially making it worse if he, if, you know, on, on any given play. But Micah Parsons is going to be out there. I just think it'll be one of those things where maybe he doesn't play on every first down or, and, and they limit him in which ways they can. But uh, as long as this game's close, uh, he's going to be out there, especially in, in, in the big moments and in, in passing situations. Uh, they, they, he has to be out there rushing the passer. And, and I think it would, be, it, would, it would take a lot to keep him off the field. Now, are you okay after being kind of scared by the Cowboys defensive coordinator? It is John Machota with us uh, from The Athletic, who after games, sometimes waiting outside the locker room, films the players and the coaches as they head down. And the Cowboys were excited about that win, somewhat exuberant. And I believe that Dan Quinn sort of leaned over, saw you, uh, and decided to give you a little, uh, I forget exactly, you know, he just kind of screamed something out. Did he... Did that surprise you a little bit, John? Yeah, yeah, no question. Because when I'm doing those videos, I'm looking at my phone. I'm not even really looking at the player. I did not see him coming from the side of me because so after the games, what happens is uh, all the coaches that are up in the coaching uh, box, which that's where Dan Quinn's at, he's not on the sideline, they all come down. Uh, and right around the same time, the players are getting to the locker room. And I didn't see him coming. And I, I knew he would be excited. Obviously, the defense played great. I didn't know he was going to be that jacked up. But, uh, yeah, startled me a little bit. But uh, he, he stayed out there for a while, uh, greeting every single player as they came off the field. Um, you just it, It's one of those things where you didn't even need to watch the game. If you just watched those about five to seven minutes of Dan Quinn after the game, it told you how big that game was for that defense, to be able to do what they did against the defending Super Bowl champs uh, you know, in their building. 
uh, even though the, it was more kind of a Cowboys building for that game. But you get the point. Uh, it was a big game for, for him, and, and he certainly uh, was showing that. And I don't, I don't know of a time outside of maybe entering the Super Bowl with the Falcons that Dan Quinn's stock has been higher than it is right now. Yeah, I. Uh, by the way, Mike Tomlin does that. He waits for every player to get in the locker room, and uh, that's kind of a big Tomlin thing with the Steelers. But that that Dan was out there screaming and waiting on the players and everything. Now I saw uh, you tweeted the NFL Coach of the Year odds, John. It's been it's been four hours since you tweeted something. Okay, can you get something else up there? I just want you. To, I want you to freshen this thing up. Now, John, I tell you, even on off days, John is just constantly putting out material, which I appreciate. John, half the time you program my radio show. In fact, you should probably get some kind of kickback for that. I'm sure you would just like to be paid for these appearances. And again, I continue to work on that. Um, NFL Coach of the Year odds via at Bet Online. And I, isn't it funny? I mean, there's the Eagles. Nick Sirianni, 3-2, to two, leading the odds. Dayball from the Giants. You mentioned the Giants a little bit ago. 4-1 to one second. And then Mike McCarthy checking in with Cowboys 16-1. to one. And, and quite honestly, I don't – I think they're not giving McCarthy maybe enough credit. My goodness, compare – you know, based on where the Cowboys were, uh, we thought this thing was, was dead in the water. Uh, four weeks ago, and now they sit here four and one. I mean, am I? I, I you know, I've, I've not been the biggest McCarthy guy in the world, but I almost think um, when I look at these odds, that Mike should be up there closer to the top three than he is. It's funny with those things because they send them. There's different companies that they'll email you these, mm-hmm. these things quite a bit during the week, and it's and it's interesting how Mike McCarthy's name is always teetering at the top of the next coach to be fired. And then now all of a sudden, a few weeks later, he's at the top of coach of the year. It's, it's, it's interesting how these things fluctuate like this, but those, Hey, that's how odds work. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you though. When I tweeted that out, um, my biggest takeaway on it was just one day ago, Ron Rivera, the Washington commanders coach was asked what's basically missing in Washington, why they aren't able to have the success of the other three teams, the NFCs. And he points to quarterback. And you see those odds, and you see the three NFC East coaches, and he's not anywhere in there. You're almost like, well, if you're only going to give a one-word answer and say quarterback, you might want to give a one-word answer and say coach. That's clearly the difference right now between Washington and the other three teams, that the coaching in the NFC East, I mean, Dable, Sirianni, and McCarthy have all done an outstanding job through these first uh, you know, five, four or five weeks. And so uh, it is interesting how that works, but you know, all it takes is you to drop a game or two, and then McCarthy's name will go right back up there. Uh, uh, you know, or we'll fall in those those standings there. But yeah, I just thought it was interesting that there were so many NFC East coaches there, and then there's Mike McCarthy, who so many people feel like, oh, well, he's got to be amongst those next guys out. And what he's done so far, he deserves credit. I mean, I know uh, people want to give the credit to Dan Quinn and Micah Parsons. Obviously, that's a huge part of it and, and that. But to win with your backup quarterback the way that they have and to win – and beat the Bengals and beat the Rams, the two teams that were in the Super Bowl last year. I mean, the guys, the guy deserves some credit, doesn't he? Yeah, I think I think he does, and uh, and that is interesting to look at that uh, at that lineup, and then look at the defensive player of the uh, year odds as well. Did you see Rivera today? He came out and said, "Hey, I, I 
I thought he was going to do the whole I was taken out of context. And some people I saw on Twitter acted kind of came to his defense like that's not exactly what he said. But today he said, hey, I had a bad day yesterday. <laughs> some would say, well, not just yesterday. How about Sunday? How about the actual game that you were coaching? But uh, Rivera did kind of uh, fall on his sword. It, it, what an interesting day. I mean, because and, and, and look at what's happening now. You know, colleges, you see – these coaches getting fired so soon in the seasons. Matt Rule already out with the Panthers. John, it's this it's fascinating to me. These days, I think organizations want to get these decisions made in a in a big hurry because the thought is we can get an early jump. Now in college sometimes it's like they want to see if the interim can can get the job done, like at Wisconsin. Now I don't know about the Panthers with like Steve Wilkes. Did you see that one? Wilkes said Wilkes' first move at the Panthers was to fire the defensive coordinator. I mean, it's like he'd been on the job for one hour and he already fired his defensive coordinator. Uh, but it it's about I mean, these these jobs are always volatile, but it, it and we but we always go, this year it's more volatile than ever. But it really at this point, John, isn't it every year? No, it is, and I think that just because there's thirty two teams and that yeah, there might be a handful, you know, five to ten that they're pretty solid. You know that those organizations are pretty well run. Their coaches that they hire are going to be there for at least four or five, six years. Uh, when I say that, I mean like the Packers and Steelers and Ravens and, you know, the, the teams that have been solid for a long period of time. And then you have the other teams where it's just musical chairs and you just never really know. And, and they're always looking for the next thing. And uh, that's not the answer either. But um it's just interesting to hear Ron Rivera say that because, <laughs> you know, or anybody to even downplay that because he felt he also had to go talk to Carson Wentz about it. You know, you yeah. don't have to go tar- talk to Carson Wentz unless you know that you made a mistake. And um, that's what I mean, you know, talking about those odds on, on the coach year, I think that's another good thing uh, that Mike McCarthy's done is that he's tried to eliminate as many of those type of distraction points that can be there when you're the coach of the Dallas Cowboys. And there's certainly one right now in the fact that there are people out there um, that get paid a lot of money to talk on TV that want to constantly talk about a quarterback controversy in Dallas. And so it's a storyline that he has to, he has to answer questions about. And I think he's done a good job handling that. And then obviously he has an, uh, you know, an owner and general manager who does a good job of stirring stuff up and making our jobs fun, but it obviously doesn't do a lot of things to make Mike McCarthy's jobs, jobs fun. And I think he's done a good job navigating that too. All right, uh, John Mashota from the uh, from the Athletic on the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. Will you please ask McCarthy about the line? I was just trying to see what the latest line on this game was. You asked last week five. if you ever. Yeah. No, okay. I, I, I've got it already planned. I was going to ask him something about it tomorrow for sure. <laughs> <laughs> which he needs which, to know these lines, man. If I don't tell him, how is he going to know? I know, and he and he. I was interesting. At first, he kind of said he, you know, he didn't, but he said maybe I have used that in the past. And then he he had that line that I, I like that. Yeah, we're nobody's underdog. Now is that a that's a McCarthy line that he's used before, or that's uh, had had he said that he'd kind of he he had thrown that out there before, or was that kind of a a fresh McCarthy line that he put out there? So as far as with the Cowboys, I believe that's the first time. I'm not sure with the Packers, but the way he said it, it made it sound like it's something that he's gone to before because he said okay. it very nonchalantly that I, I, I feel like that 
he's probably used it at, at some point uh, in Green Bay when they were probably rolling there. Uh, so I think that he had it, he had that ready to go. I just find it hard to believe that these coaches don't know what the spreads are because it just seems like a great tool to motivate your team when things are going well and then you look and you see that you're still a five six point underdog. So um, I find it hard to believe that the players and coaches don't don't talk about it at some point during the week at some point before the game. Yeah, I think it comes up. They they certainly know, like, you remember, I mean, you've done this with the morning news and other places and the athletic now. When you make your picks, especially when they yeah. used to put them in the paper, they know. And, and, you know, if you picked against them and then they won, I mean, like, guys at their lockers, in the locker room, they would be coming after you. I mean, you've had that happen. I've had it happen over the years. For some reason, man, you'd think they wouldn't care at all. But the coaches, too. Honestly, it might have been the coaches more than the players. The coaches love to see who picks against them. And even the athletic trainers, we shall not name names. right? <laughs> the, the athletic trainers will take a peek at that. I, and I, I think it's that they just love, they love to be able to rub it in our face, don't they, when we get something wrong is really what it comes down to. Yeah, and it just shows you that everybody has an ego and everybody um, has their ear to that type of stuff as much as they, you know, you, you feel like it's, part of their job to constantly talk about how they don't know what any of that stuff and they don't pay attention to any of that stuff. But I also find it hard to believe that you get to this level with just having blinders on to things like that, because there's just so many distractions that come with being a, whatever, a trainer, a head coach or whatnot. So I always find that amusing when they say things like, well, I had no idea that, Oh, Oh, you picked against us or you did this, or you said that this guy was this going to happen. Like, yeah, you knew exactly what was going to happen. That's why you're bringing it up right now. So, no, they keep their ear to that stuff. No no, no question about it. And then here's the other thing. Okay, at that time, like you're talking about the guys reading the, uh, the spreads and stuff or reading the picks in the paper. Well, now it's now it's on the Internet, and all these guys live on social media. So if they want to find anything like that, it's not going to be difficult. You're absolutely right. Uh, and hopefully they're reading The Athletic. Subscribe today. You can read John's stuff and does a great job on his coverage on a daily basis, especially after the games. Uh, John, appreciate you doing this, and I'll uh, I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, Matt. Thanks for having me on. You bet. John Machoda from The Athletic.